Hello, and welcome to Adventurous Polyamory, the podcast where we rip the shrink wrap off of non-monogamy and get into the messy reality of our lifestyle. I'm Rachel Barth, your hostess with the mostest, and I'm here to open up a big old can of truth and honesty about the joys and pitfalls of polyamory. These days, we don't talk about etiquette that much as a topic. It feels like such an old-fashioned idea. People tend to push it away, saying things like, Oh, Mr. Johnson is my dad. You can just call me Eddie. But etiquette is really foundational to any well-functioning society, large or small. I mean, why do we even need it? Because without it, we don't really know how to act right. If there's more than one person in the room, then somebody's going to find a way to aggravate the other person. The classic small-scale example of this is how incredibly annoyed guys get if another guy acts wrong in the bathroom. How many times have we heard this? If a guy is standing at the urinal and another guy comes into the place, he is supposed to situate himself respectfully far away. He should not take the urinal directly next to the first guy unless there is absolutely no other choice. If a guy violates this rule, the first guy will be aggravated as heck. He will also regard the second guy as an uncivilized, ignorant barbarian. This is the heart of what etiquette really is. And lest you be thinking that modern folk invented this problem, I shall include in the show notes a little article about early etiquette governing a very important point of behavior that it's extremely rude and frowned upon to attack a person while they're taking a dump. If you didn't know, now you know. Centuries ago, aggravated people were a lot more likely to try to kill whoever aggravated them. Honestly, who can't relate to that? I was reading the sequel novel to Silence of the Lambs, And I, for real, felt so validated when Hannibal Lecter murdered a salesman who was bothering him. I wish I could do that. Like when Mormons ring the doorbell, I could be like, ooh, delivery. Surely that's not just me. Still, I know that murdering those who annoy us is simply not the done thing. In fact, at one point, we even had a fairly elaborate set of rules governing the etiquette of dueling presumably to cut down on drunk dudes ruining everyone's evening with yet another overly impulsive stabbing. One thing that never changes throughout the ages is that drunk dudes are incredibly annoying to everyone. The etiquette of dueling makes certain that everyone involved has a chance to sleep off the alcohol and reflect upon their own idiocy and maybe even apologize for their misbehavior. If they insist on going ahead with the duel, then there's plenty more rules to try to keep it fair and minimize loss of life. People just can't help pissing each other off. I can attest to this, since I have unintentionally aggravated the crap out of any number of innocent souls. Actually, I think that's why I'm such a fan of etiquette. Maybe it's because of my autism? I don't have social anxiety. Yet I do have a very strong sense of myself as a complete bull in a china shop. I don't mean any harm, but I just keep 
smashing stuff all the time. So I've come to love etiquette because it's basically just a series of guidelines on how to be less of a dumbass whenever there is another person around. Acting right didn't come naturally to me. It helps me quite a lot to have a bit of a framework. Clearly, I need guidance so as not to forget myself and murder innocent folks trying to sell me new windows or siding. They're always so young and juicy looking. Dang it. A pretty good example of how much we all need a little etiquette is the internet. Right? Lots of people on the internet act nice, but there's a fairly hefty chunk of folks that do not act nice. We don't have centuries of consensus on how to act right on the internet. Parents don't drill their kids on how to interact with random internet people. It's all still too new. I think the confusion arises in part simply because the other people are not there in the room with you. Like, barely any man of my acquaintance would simply whip his dick out randomly and show it to me. Even the gentleman whose dicks I actually take a fine personal interest in will keep that stuff under wraps. They know that in general, if we're not private together in a room with a closed door, the dick should probably stay inside the pants. But on the internet, mmm, whole different story. The thing is, the other people aren't there, but instead, they're far away somewhere. And the person with the dick is, in fact, privately in a room with a closed door. So, mm, maybe it's fine to send that person my very best recent dick pic. Now, you might be saying, oh, come on now, Rachel, you're being deliberately obtuse. Okay, yeah, maybe, but look around you. It's incredibly clear that we, as a society, really have a long row to hoe here, and that reaching a full societal agreement on how to behave on the internet will take quite a while. And without a widely agreed-upon set of guidelines, we will only continue to blunder about hurting each other's feelings. That's what manners and etiquette are for, to protect us all from each other, to help us all feel comfortable and safe in as many situations as possible. Adult life is full of small challenges to our understanding of how to act right. We arrive here at adulthood with a good set of behavioral guidelines which have mostly served us pretty well. Like, we all know that we need to wear clothing in most public situations. We all have a basic grasp of how to order and consume food in restaurants. We know that it's a bad idea to grab at somebody's body if they haven't indicated clearly that they would like us to do so. We know this, but sometimes we do it anyway, don't we? When we're at that kind of party. Because our guidelines say something like, if a person is unclothed around me and they aren't a relative, then we're probably intimate enough that it's okay to touch their butt. However, this guideline will fail us because at that kind of party, there will be partially or fully unclothed people who will definitely not be okay if you touch their butt. There's simply too many new situations. Situations which are new 
and which you definitely don't want to discuss with your mom and dad. I mean your mom and dad, not mine. My folks are just as nutty as I am, and I can totally see my dad drilling down into this topic. What a fascinating sociological issue, Rachel. I have a very fond memory of him calmly explaining to me how underwear and bathing suits have entirely differing semiotics, despite appearing more or less identical at times. Believe me, he'd have plenty of questions about the etiquette of house parties. Over time, we'll have to develop a comprehensive etiquette for non-monogamy, no doubt, with complex variations for each style. Perhaps we'll have to come up with a silly name for it in order to placate the Mr. Johnson is my dad crowd. We could call it enhanced social routines or something. People tend to think of etiquette as something that creates barriers or that it expresses some sort of excessive formality. And I guess there's an element of that. But that's what I would call the high protocol area. It's a matter of degree. Like, obviously, I don't need or want every meal to be served on an antique linen cloth with ironed napkins and place settings that include ten pieces of cutlery and three beverage vessels. That'll be more than I want to deal with about 90% of the time. But I also don't want to be at the table with people who eat mashed potatoes with their hands and then wipe up with their shirt sleeve. Okay? I want to be at the table with people who know how to eat without dousing bystanders with crumbs or forcing me to avert my eyes from the sight of their chewing. Etiquette and manners are there to help us feel comfortable around each other and keep us from hurting each other. So, this brings us to my original topic, the etiquette of socializing with more than one partner at a time. I never thought about this issue until it slammed into my face. If you had asked me way back when, hey Rachel, what would be the problems with socializing with two partners at once? I'd have probably just poo-pooed the whole question. I mean, really, what? Make sure to wear deodorant and offer refreshments, like a lady, I guess. So I was unprepared for the sheer level of awkwardness and discomfort. Let me draw you a picture. It's 2014, and I'm still married to Norm, and I'm dating Big E, the crazy biker. I'm calling him Big E because I know that's what he'd tell me to call him. And I know what you're saying. Oh, Rachel, who could have ever imagined that something would be rough and difficult in a story that begins with a crazy biker? Well, in my defense, I had just started dating again. I have this theory that the part of our mind which chooses potential partners simply goes into hibernation once you've actually picked one and settled down. So if you were 19 when you picked your spouse, then if and when you start dating again, no matter how much time has passed, your picker is still only 19. It'll catch up eventually, but for a while, you'll be at the mercy of your idiotic former self. I don't know about you, but my former self was oblivious to risk and went for car rides with strange young men. She did not have good judgment. So yeah, Biggie the crazy biker. So right next to my kitchen was a sitting area in which we had placed a couple of big comfy armchairs. Norm sat in one and Big E sat in the other, facing each other like a chess match. I was very anxious because I couldn't figure out where I was supposed to be physically in the room. Stay close to Norm, sit on the arm of Big E's chair, 
Should I bring them a drink? If so, who first? I didn't want to throw fuel on the fire of their dominance struggle. I could see in their faces the calculation of how to get the edge over the other guy. I wound up sitting on the floor brushing my dog's very long and fluffy coat. That dog, may he rest in peace, was part chow chow and had so much fur. I brushed him every single time those guys sat together. I didn't know what else to do. I longed for guidance in that moment. I wanted to know how to help everyone relax and also how to avoid being hurt. I didn't want to insult or upset either of my partners. I wanted to help everyone feel safe and comfortable, since I myself felt neither safe nor comfortable. Ultimately, we bought more chairs for that area so that more people could sit comfortably. However, nothing ever improved things between Norm and Big E. Both of them persisted vigorously in their personal versions of rudeness. It's only now, looking back after eight years, that I notice a sad lack in this picture. I was so anxious about how to placate these prickly men. But they were absolutely not concerned about my feelings at all. Now, this is not a surprising insight when it comes to Big E. He was sharp as a razor and was always well aware of others' feelings. However, he mostly preferred to keep people off balance. Being nice wasn't really his main speed. I'm struck by it, though, when it comes to Norm. You know, hindsight is twenty-twenty, right? He wasn't thinking about me. He wasn't trying to ease this mildly stressful situation. It's not a good look. To be fair, I bet we could look back through the past eight years and find places where I did the same thing to him. It saddens me now, thinking about it. Both of these guys supposedly felt warmly towards me, but neither one was concerned with how I felt in that moment, although it seems very clear that both of them were well aware of how awkward and difficult it was. They were being rude as fuck. Rude to each other, and also very rude to me. Although the multi-partner thing was a new wrinkle, we could easily point to long-established etiquette guidelines that would have helped in that moment, such as, don't go into a man's home and then be a dick to him. Pretty sure that's what the whole damn Trojan War was about. There is really nothing new under the sun. This only highlights another nice thing about established etiquette. You don't need to think too hard or even be a good person or care about others. You just do it because you know that's what you're supposed to do. Like not wearing white to a wedding or offering guests a drink. You do it even if you secretly don't really like those guests. Or even more basic stuff like wearing clothing. You know you have to, even if you hate it, or even if you'd actually much rather be naked in front of a certain person. Children master this by the time they're eight or nine. Etiquette is not really complicated generally. I mean, unless there's royalty involved. But that ain't any of us. So, what do we want to say about the multi-partner social situation? We understand now that our baseline concern here is how to make everyone feel comfortable, safe, and relaxed. It's not the Middle Ages anymore, so random stabbings are less of an issue, thank goodness. But what might we be looking out for? This being polyamory, 
Jealousy flaring up is going to be a likely concern. We want to help everyone stay calm, minimize anxiety, create space for better interactions. Our guidelines would need to be flexible enough to cover a large or small number of persons, as well as situations ranging from relatively vanilla daytime stuff all the way over to wild late-night naked party time. We also want to uphold already established etiquette, so we want everyone to have the space to show how poised and mature they are, and we want to show appreciation for the host or hostess. So, first off, a simple principle from traditional guidelines. It is your job to contribute to the overall harmony of the situation. Both Big E and Norman could have helped me so much if they had tried to uphold this. Who knows? Maybe that whole story would have come out differently if they could have both found a way to be polite. Even if you're a guest, you still have a responsibility to try to help things along. Even if other people are ignorant or poorly behaved, you ought to do your best to act right. The host will surely appreciate your support, as well as the other people present. Being overly drunk or high, disorderly, insulting, destructive, or violent should never happen. I was at a party many years ago, sitting on the couch with a nice fellow I'd just met. He made some advances, and I gently let him know that I wasn't there for anything casual with a new acquaintance. And he said, Well, let me know if I go too far. No, no. It is your own job to know where the line is and stay on your side of it. Because this is simply part of contributing to the overall harmony of the situation. Not doing things which make another person uncomfortable. If you feel any confusion about this, I recommend that you imagine your high school principal is sitting there with you. Don't do anything that you wouldn't do in front of them and you'll be fine. Actually, you can even go further with that one. Don't do anything to me that you wouldn't do to your high school principal. I trust this will eliminate all confusion from your thoughts. This one guideline alone will save you from a lot of trouble. And as for that nice fellow I met, I just saw that he's been publicly shamed and punished for crossing some boundaries a few weeks ago. He had to eat a lot of crow and he deserved it. If he had tried to pay attention to other people's feelings a little bit harder and done his part to maintain harmony, he wouldn't have fallen from grace this way. He was a nice guy. I don't dislike him. But he wasn't doing his part. Don't be that person. But not being drunk and not disorderly is the baseline. It's not the gold standard. In any social situation with multiple partners, you ought to keep an eye on the overall vibe and do what you can to keep it all nice and mellow. Pay attention to everyone there, not just your closest or most recent partner. Ask questions, make eye contact, show that you are interested in what they have to say. Now, just like in yoga, please find a way to modify this for your own level of sociability and or neurodivergency. But the underlying principle is that if you pay too much attention to just one person, the other people present may feel hurt, excluded, 
or disrespected. I know that you don't want to accidentally do this. So in addition to interacting with everyone there to the best of your personal ability, I also recommend that you indulge in only minimal displays of affection. A hug and a kiss in greeting, an occasional pat on the shoulder as you pass, save the rest for later. This is hard, especially during the hot and heavy early stages of NRE. But please, do your best. Because frankly, it's aggravating as heck to sit there while other people are cuddling. I've been really guilty of this myself. I'm a very cuddly person. So I can tell you from personal experience that you will definitely annoy the crap out of your other partners if you do too much cuddling in front of them. If you are the one who's giving too many cuddles, well, restrain yourself already. If you are just not sure how to gently create a little more distance with a cuddly partner, I suggest you look at them with a sexy wink and murmur, pas devant les enfants, darling, as my grandmother used to do. If, by some mischance, you wound up with a partner who doesn't speak French, then try saying, I adore you. Save all of that for later, you sexy beast. Remember, etiquette is for helping everyone to feel safe and comfortable. Unless you already got consent to carry on in front of people, you should try to maintain decorum. And again, decorum can be simply outlined as how you would behave in front of your high school principal or maybe your elderly auntie. Being sex positive is no excuse for being insensitive to the feelings of others. So seriously, save the ass-grabbing for later, tiger. This being polyamory, you might find yourself in a situation where you run into your partner who's out on a date with someone else. Perhaps you all wind up at the same party. Since your partner is on a date, it's on you to respect that. Greet them both warmly. Remember, you're paying attention to everyone, not just your partner. And then, excuse yourself to go get a drink or whatever. Thus, you politely make space for them to have a nice evening together without you cock-blocking them accidentally. You want them to have fun. So you smiled upon them and got out of the way. And if, deep in your heart, maybe you don't really want them to have too much fun, that's your secret, and they don't need to know that right now. Also, it's not just about you and your partner situation. Don't forget, you also have a responsibility to your host and to the other guests present. They do not want to be drawn into your love life. Years ago, we threw a big New Year's party for our local polyamorous crowd. It was a nice bunch, and we all had fun. But of course... One lady wound up kissing her new boyfriend when the ball dropped instead of her husband. And the husband proceeded to pitch a highly emotional fit. Now, this would not have been my problem, except that he and his wife then did not leave my house. So it was about 1.30 in the morning, and I had to talk that idiot down so they could get the heck out. Going with our current guidelines here, you can see that she had made a couple of errors. She paid more attention to one person, and she did not think about helping everyone stay calm and comfortable. And he then was really rude, making his problem into my problem. Stuff like this will not give you a good reputation, okay? Actually, this brings out a wrinkle here. 
don't make a habit of being around someone else's date nights. It's fine once in a while, like maybe once a quarter or so. And it's nice to socialize together at events which aren't anyone's special date night. But don't make a habit of being around someone else's date night. It's awkward for them and might be painful for you, especially if you aren't having your own date night. A last thought on decorum and formality. Many of us attend the sort of social event where people abandon their clothing and engage in shenanigans. Under these circumstances, everything we have just discussed still applies, maybe even more so. Personally, I like a sort of sliding ratio of formality versus amount of clothing. The less clothing, the more formality. So, for instance, where I might permit a new acquaintance at an ordinary party to give me a hug, I would restrict it to a handshake at a naughtier private event. Sometimes, etiquette really is a way of creating distance or separation, and I would use it this way when I don't want someone else to get too friendly, thereby making me uncomfortable. If you happen to be at this sort of party and you meet a new person who you find attractive, Please remember your etiquette and don't make them uncomfortable. Ogling their assets, attempting to embrace them without permission, or making weirdly sexual remarks will all make them very uncomfortable, and hence, you ought to avoid these behaviors. You might be surprised to think that you must maintain good etiquette at a party where people are not even wearing pants. I mean, isn't that a place to just cut loose? Yes. But you're not invisible, you know. If you show yourself to be a poorly behaved person, you might not be invited back. When in doubt, maintain a more formal distance, no matter how little clothing the other person has on. So, where does all this leave us? Our new etiquette is surprisingly similar to our old etiquette. Simply put, Always do your best to make everyone feel safe and comfortable, whether the setting is public, at home, or at a party. Keep your manners on, even if you take your pants off. I feel like that about wraps it up. So, thank you for listening. If you have issues you want to hear about on this podcast, or you need advice, or if you have a story to tell and you think you might like to appear as a guest here, or even if you just have some tea you need to spill, I want to hear from you. Please get in touch with me at unlimitedheartcoaching at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram at unlimitedheartfreedom. As always, I am available for coaching sessions, and if you feel you could use some help, get in touch with me for a free exploratory session. I appreciate you all so very much, and I'll see you back here in a couple of weeks. <music>